This is Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of uh, discussing the very important article uh, titled Randomized Phase 3 Study Comparing Neoadjuvant Chemotherapy Followed by Surgery Versus Chemoradiation in Stage 1b2 to 2b Cervical Cancer the ERTC55994 study that was recently published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology. The podcast is going to be a discussion uh, by the first author of the manuscript, uh, Professor Hema Kenter, who is at the Center for Gynecologic Oncology in Amsterdam, in Amsterdam University Medical Center in the Netherlands Cancer Institute in Amsterdam. Hema, welcome to the podcast and thank you so, so much for accepting our invitation. Thank you, Dr. Ramirez. First of all, I'd like to thank the organizers for the opportunity to pay more attention to our trial leading to the paper that was published in your journal. And I'd like to mention that I hope to be able to answer all the questions and I had a little bit of help for that already by the other authors, um, especially Stefano Greggi, Cornel Koons and Ignaz Vergoten. That's well what I'd like to mention. Absolutely. No, and we, we're so, so pleased that you have accepted the invitation. And I should say congratulations uh, once again uh, for uh, completing this very, very important study. Um, so with that, uh, we'll like to get started. And um, I'll just ask uh, as a first question, if we can start by discussing what was the rationale for performing this study? And why did you consider this was an important question to answer? Well, we did the EORTC, we, we undertook within the EORTC this trial um, because despite prevention programs, cervical carcinoma is still the fourth frequent cause of cancer mortality in women. And concomitant chemoradiotherapy is now preferred treatment for locally advanced cervical cancer. Um, however, unfortunately, the frequency of locally advanced cervical cancer is still high in low-income countries where sufficient radiotherapy facilities are often lacking. Um, in the late 90s, two consecutive approaches evolved to improve survival results. Um, that was um, a couple of studies that were published, especially in uh, Italy and uh, also in Argentina and in South Africa um, using neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by surgery as compared to radiotherapy alone. And um, at the same time, concomitant chemoradiation as compared with radiotherapy alone. But both approaches were proven to be effective in several phase two trials. They were never directly compared against each other in a randomized clinical trial. And that was the reason why we thought it was important to do this trial. Absolutely. And um, can you tell us a little bit about the methodology for, for the study? Um, and if you can focus on the on the trial design and what were some of the um, eligibility criteria and, and uh, endpoints? The trial was designed and conducted within the structure of the EORTC, uh, which is the European Organization for Research and Treatment of Cancer. The trial 
number 55994 was an international multi-center randomized study approved by the EORTC Review Committee and the Institutional Review Boards of each participating institution. The main eligibility criteria were squamous or adenosquamous carcinoma, FIBO stage 1B2 to 2A or 2B, um, the FIGO staging um, from that moment, which is different from uh, the staging today. Um, <clears throat> patients had to have a good WHO performance, had an age between 18 and 75, um, should not have had previous irradiation or chemotherapy, no previous or concurrent second malignancy, well, the usual um, suspects, I would say. Um, adequate laboratory values and most importantly, of course, written informed consent. Um, imaging was uh, could be used by CT scan or MRI um, to exclude patients with distant metastasis. Um, between May 2002 and February 2014, so it took 12 years, 626 patients were enrolled and randomly assigned, of whom 94% were eligible. Um, they were randomized one by one between the experimental arm consisting of neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by radical surgery, as in the experimental arm and in the standard arm, <coughs> concomitant chemoradiotherapy was given. Um, of course, the randomization took place centrally at the EORTC headquarters. Um, <clears throat> and furthermore, it's important to mention that uh, there was a stratification um, on the factors age, on the FICO stage, on cell type, and on institution. And then of course the primary endpoint was overall survival. The goal was to detect 10% difference in five year overall survival between the two arms. That was what we calculated from the phase two trials that were had been running at, at the time. Excellent, very well. And uh, you mentioned some of the regimens, but um, my next question was um, pertaining to the experimental arm, the neoadjuvant uh, chemotherapy followed by surgery. Can you talk a little bit about the type of surgery that patients received and uh, what was the criteria for undergoing surgery after neoadjuvant chemotherapy in your methodology? Yeah. Well, first, first of all, all these patients in the experimental arm had to um, be treated by chemotherapy, which was always platin-based, um, with a minimum cumulative dose of 225 milligram per square meter, um, and a cisplatin dose equivalent of at least 75 milligram per square meter per three weeks. Um, there were quite a lot of centers who gave combination chemotherapy that was allowed. Um, and then surgery was required within six weeks after completion of the chemotherapy and consisted of a pivorutlage type 3 to 4. 
um, with um, a pelvic lymphadenectomy with or without para-aortic nodes, depending on the status of the uh, mainly frozen section in the pelvic nodes. So in fact, all the patients in the neoadjuvant arm underwent radical surgery unless there was um, something that inhibited it like progression of disease or reasons why surgery could not be performed. For example, severe side effects from the chemotherapy or a few patients um, uh, who withdraw. So what should we say? Um, and then um, an important matter is that adjuvant radiotherapy was recommended in the case of proven pelvic load metastasis, in case of parametrial infiltration, and in case of positive. Very well. And one of the things, obviously, that uh, the radiation oncology colleagues are going to be interested in um, can you talk a little bit about the the radiation regimen and the and the dosing? Yeah. In the chemo radiation arm, cisplatin was given once with five to six weekly doses of forty milligram per square meter during radiotherapy. Then external beam radiotherapy with a total dose between forty five and fifty ray was given to the pelvis, um, followed by brachytherapy. Um, a minimal total dose of 75 gray equivalent dose grade 2 to point A or 80 gray to high risk planning target volume was mandatory. Uh, I think the radiotherapists will understand this better. As Excellent. And, um, um, what this means. Yes. Uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Radiotherapy had to be completed within 50 days. Okay. Um, and uh, just uh, in a few cases, adjuvant hysterectomy was allowed in the case of histologically a proven residual tumor. Excellent. Now, um, this is a big study. Of course, obviously, a prospective randomized, I believe, 626 patients, 25 centers, 10 countries. Yeah. What were the results of the study? Uh, what are some of the things you would like for everyone to uh, take away from the main highlights of the of the study? Yeah, well, as you already mentioned, the trial was performed in twenty five European centers from ten countries. Um, total overall survival was after a mean follow up period of almost twelve years, which is a long time. It also gave us the opportunity to have a long follow up. Um, by the end, a total of 198 deaths, which is 32% of the total number of patients, um, and 263 progression-free survival events were recorded at the time of the analysis. The five-year overall survival in the attention-to-treat population, so that's the whole group, was 72% in the neoadjuvant arm compared to 76% in the chemoradiation arm. So you see that the study did not demonstrate the proposed outcome, but nor did it demonstrate the opposite. Um, the five-year progression-free survival was 57% in the new archipot arm, 
compared to 66% in the chemoradiation arm. What's an interesting thing is that um, the first imaging assessments tended to occur earlier in the neoadjuvant arm because during surgery we had pathological material um, to look if there was um, 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 if there was um, recurrent disease or not, whereas or um, um, not recurrent. Well, I come back to that later. <clears throat> um, such an evaluation was not possible in the chemoradiation arm. Um, so therefore, an interval censoring analysis was performed on the progression pre-survival and it yielded similar results. Um, important is, although the study was not tailored for subgroup analysis, um, stage 1b3 to 2a patients showed slightly better outcomes following neoadjuvant uh, And in terms of treatment morbidity, except for the neoadjuvant toxicity, there was an advantage for the neoadjuvant um, arm, especially looking at the severe long-term effects. Mm. On the low genital Of course, we looked at safety details. Um, they were reported in 591 patients started allocated treatments. Um, grade three and four adverse events during treatment occurred in 188 cases of total group, most of them because of the chemotherapy. They were seen more frequently in the neoadjuvant arm than in the chemoradiation arm. But during follow-up, um, the Chassagne grade 3 or higher was seen in 104 patients. 15% um, in the neoadjuvant arm and 21% in the chemoradiation arm. Two patients in the chemoradiation arm died because of complications. Uh, one from chronic small bowel obstruction, malabsorption eventually leading to death, and one from sepsis after surgery for rectal stricture. I think these were the most important. Well, very well. I want to get into some of the questions that were raised by our, our fellows in the journal. This first question is from Sira Sahin uh, Akar in, uh, in Turkey. And um, she asks, how do you explain in the neoadjuvant uh, chemotherapy arm, the optimal response rate being almost 40%, so it's 38%. Is this associated with the type of chemotherapy regimen that was used? Well, at least from the patients who were operated on, we found a pathologic complete response in 23% and an optimal response in 35%, together accounting for 38%. And that's a number that we um, consider as uh, good. Um, it is a pathological response. Um, and um, the definition for complete pathological response was when there was no residual disease at all. And for um, optimal pathological response, when the strobile invasion was less than three millimeters. Um, the question was if there was a tendency for better response after combination chemotherapy compared to cisplatin monotherapy. 
there was a difference of 15% at two groups, um, complete or partial, uh, 69% in the combination chemotherapy and 54% in the monotherapy. Um, but this was not statistically significant. And then to, to that point, uh, uh, Guido Valsaki from Argentina is asking, uh, again, I think I'm referring to the same question, and he's wondering, should we be using routinely combination chemotherapy, or is not is there not enough evidence yet to, to that point? Well, I think that, that's an, um, an interesting point, because it's, it, it could be possible just mentioned uh, the difference between the mono and combination chemo was a trend but not statistically significant um, however this might also be caused by confounding factors like later we put time because over the years um, centers realized that combination chemotherapy gave better results so um, it's probably that the combination chemotherapy now, um, yes, and, and one one of the other points that um, that was raised in the discussions of this manuscript, uh, and this is brought up by Matt Wager from the University of Wisconsin, is that the study included patients undergoing all the way from type three to type five radical hysterectomies, ranging from complete removal of uterosacral ligament, upper third of the vagina, even including pelvic exenteration. Um, and he notes the trial stratified randomization based on radicality of surgery. Um, how did the groups differ in regards to this and, and how could this have impacted the results if it did at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I hope I understand this question well enough because patients were stratified for age, stage, cell type and institution uh, and not for radicality of the surgery. Um, But I understand that, um, uh, and that's the reason why um, we stratified for institution, that there might be institutional effects based on experience by the surgical staff. Um, and um, uh, to make sure that um, patients were equally distributed across the two treatment arms, uh, we stratified for, um, for institution. But it's, of course, it was not possible to stratify for surgical outcome for that. Yes. Yeah, I understood. And probably, obviously, that the number of the different types of surgery is very small to make any uh, really uh, legitimate comparison. Yeah. yeah. The, the next On question... the other hand, uh -huh. um, when, yeah. when I can add something, is that um, from the 340 patients in the neo-adjuvant arm, 24, um, 240 underwent surgery. Um, and of those, the overall majority underwent a five for type three, eighty-six percent. Yeah, and and probably as as would be expected. Um, Giuseppe Caruso from uh, Italy, he's asking: Do you think radical surgery after neoadjuvant chemotherapy might be an effective and safe choice in carefully selected young patients, uh, stage one B three current uh, staging? Uh, stage 2A2 cervical cancer in order to avoid radiotherapy and radiation-induced toxicity. So I guess he's asking neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by surgery, no more treatment after that. Mm, yeah, um, <clears throat> that's a very interesting um, uh, issue, Dr. Caruso. 
um, because careful selection is extremely important. Um, young women who like to perceive the ovarian, their ovarian function, um, although we know that the chance to success is not 100%, um, but they might benefit from neoadjuvant chemotherapy plus surgery. If such a woman responds well to the neoadjuvant chemotherapy and is not having unfavorable factors and does not need adjuvant radiotherapy, might be cured without radiotherapy. Um, with all the known side effects of um, loss of sexual functioning and bowel problems. <laughs> and personally, I think, um, but that's that's not that's not been a part of our trial. <clears throat> that there is room for trials comparing adjuvant chemotherapy instead of adjuvant radiotherapy. <laughs> Uh, I I only found one Chinese study examining this regimen. That's already a while ago. Yeah, so definitely not 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 a question that was addressed in in this study. Recognizing that as well, Matt Wager um, asked about the issue you mentioned the lymphadenectomy uh, required. Um, he mentions this trial required lymph node assessment in the form of pelvic lymphadenectomy with or without periodic lymphadenectomy. In the advent of sentinel lymph node dissection at the time of radical hysterectomy, is this approach reasonable to integrate when considering neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by surgery for the management of these patients? Well, um, I think we should keep in mind that this study was performed in women with locally advanced cervical cancer. And all the studies um, looking at Sentinel nodes. Um, sentinel nodes are all done in uh, those stages. So um, I think um, the combination of neoadjuvant surgery and um, for locally advanced with sentinel nodes um, not really an issue at the moment. Uh, I think for countries and centers with access to the imaging. I see mainly possibilities in combining PET CT scan with surgical state. That's a different approach. Yes, absolutely, and and uh, certainly yes, and not not much data in terms of sentinel lymph node mapping in that patient population, as as yeah. you mentioned. Now, yeah. uh, Giuseppe Caruso is asking about the the regimen of the chemotherapy. Um, and he says most of the most of the toxicities in the neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by surgery group in this study were related to the every three week chemotherapy regimen. Do you think there is room to speculate that the toxicity rate could be reduced if we use dose dense chemotherapy instead? Well, <clears throat> the question is, would you um would you be in favor of those dense um, in terms of less toxicity or because you think the whole treatment can be performed quicker for patients waiting for their surgery? Um, there are only a few examples uh, for dose density in cervical cancer. There is um, a study um, from a, a few centers uh, of which Leuven is one who have explored carbotaxol weekly as an alternative before neoadjuvant before surgery. Um, at the dose they used, um, the toxicity was not more than in the three-week schedule. 
Um, there was another study published by Di Martino, um, who found um, potential toxicity, good clinical response, but um, not an effective response, not an effective pathological response um, after those deaths. Um, so there are only little examples um, of phase two studies with those dense. Um, we know those dense more, I think, from ovarian cancer, um, especially, for example, in the iPhone 8, where they compared three weekly dose dense carbotaxol um, to um, those, yeah, uh, three weekly versus weekly dose dense, sorry. Um, it showed no difference in efficacy, but higher toxicity. Um, so, well, this question cannot be answered at the moment. Yeah. I'm afraid. Yes, and um, I want to jump to, to this question with regards to the trial by uh, Gupta et al. Uh, there's been another trial where there was a difference in favor of chemoradiotherapy in disease-free survival. Granted, there was no difference in overall survival. Um, can you talk a little bit about why do you think your results differ from the study by Gupta? Um, yeah, sure. Well, <clears throat> I think, um, first of all, the results of our study were um, showed a remarkable similarity. Um, both a randomized uh, trial, both studies found a difference in disease-free survival in favor of the chemo radiation arm, but no difference in overall survival. Um, the difference found by Gupta in favor of the chemo radiation for disease-free survival was statistically significant, which was amazing. There are some major differences in the setup and design of the studies. Um, our trial is multi-center with five-year overall survival as the primary endpoint. Our trial was single-center with disease-free survival as the primary endpoint. Our study was powered on overall survival as disease-free survival could be subject to difference in tumor assessment across the two, the two arms. Um, pathologic results were lacking in the Gupta paper and therefore could unfortunately not be compared. The low grade 3 4 gastrointestinal toxicity reported in the Gupta study, um, only 2%, compared to the 11% in our study, can possibly be explained by the cisplatin use with a dose intensity of 25 milligram per square meter in our study, compared with the carbotaxol based neoadjuvant chemotherapy. I think that are the main similarities and the main differences. Very well. And Hema, when we talk about um, the limitations, of course, obviously, it's a very valuable study published in a very reputable journal. But what would you say are like the limitations of this study? Well, of course, the long duration because of the lower cruel um, in by which radiotherapy techniques improvements over the time changed. Um, and different new adjuvant chemotherapy regimens are limitations of um, the lengthy periods it took to include the required number of patients. We really had to encourage centers to continue participating um, instead of offering treatment of choice by the physician. That was not proven 
better or not. On the contrary, this made it possible to look at a very low follow-up. Hmm. Now, when we look at how do we move forward, um, should we consider that we already have a definitive answer on this question of neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by surgery for this group of patients, or should there be additional explorations of the same question? Well, additional explorations will be difficult. <clears throat> um, uh, as mentioned before, for young women, the possibility to keep their ovarian function after treatment um, is a very important one. I think um, we don't have the answer for all patients, but there are several factors that play a role. Um, and we should not forget that um, <clears throat> from other studies, we know that 7% of patients after radi radiotherapy suffer from severe bowel dysfunction, um, sometimes even leading to death uh, in young women. Um, although this trial was not designed as a non-inferiority trial, regions in the world with poor radiotherapy facility Neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by radical surgery is an acceptable alternative for patients with fecal stage 1b3. And furthermore, not the least important factor we should take into account, most women with cervical carcinoma living in areas with poor access to high-quality radiotherapy. Chemotherapy is not expensive, and therefore, in countries in these areas, the neoadjuvant surgery is an important possibility. Although we could not show a benefit for the neoadjuvant neo arm, it might be encouraging to know <laughs> colleagues with limited access to the best radiotherapy can offer a good alternative to their patients. So therefore, I think one should consider two important factors when making your treatment plan for and with your patient. First of all, what are the facilities in your center, in your country, and what can really be offered? What are the possibilities for imaging and for radiotherapy? And the second is the patients. What is important for her in terms of quality of life? From our patient advocacy group, we know that issues affecting quality of life, like bowel problems and sexuality, are extremely important. These factors form the main issues in their group meetings and the questions that they raise. Well, those, those are really excellent points. And I think it's really important that you highlighted that, obviously, that there are um, regions in the world, as we all know, where patients won't have access to the standard chemo radiotherapy regimens and the technology there. So obviously the, this option of the neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by surgery may offer an option for those patients, but I think it's important to highlight it is only for those patients and not as part of a, a routine uh, uh, regimen for, for management. Um, I, I want to thank you very, very much for your, for your time. I may want I make to May I make a final statement? Sure, uh, yeah, of course. During, during this podcast. Yes. Because <clears throat> I think as professionals, we should not forget that cervical cancer can be prevented. <laughs> um, 
And that makes it um, important for us that we advocate where possible organizing screening and HPV vaccination um, instead of um, all the time treating uh, women with all the misery that comes from the cancer. So I would like to make that statement at the end. I think it's a very valuable statement and, and one call that we should make to to all around the world who uh, who see women um, with cervical pre-invasive disease, cervical cancer, that obviously this is a preventable disease. Um, but I do, again, want to thank you so, so much for your time, for accepting our invitation. Uh, enjoyed this discussion and congratulations to you and the co-authors of, uh, of this important study. And of course, obviously to all the patients that participated, we're grateful for your courage in doing so. Thank you very, very much. Thank you.